0: Welcome to a Life Well-Lived. Grow, preserve, and transfer your wealth with Ken Olette, CPM Certified Portfolio Manager and founder of Orca Wealth Management. In this podcast, he will provide some clarity in setting goals needed to build, preserve, and transfer wealth, and overcome some of life's financial obstacles. Ken provides actionable steps to help you plan through your financial ups and downs in a way everyone can understand. Join us on this journey where Ken will explore many financial avenues, drawing from his three decades of experience in helping others avoid risking a lifetime's worth of work and savings by not having a plan and a strategy in place. Now, on to the show.
1: Hello and welcome to
2: A Life Well-Lived with Ken Olette Ken, how are you today? I am great. All is good with the world. It is back to 80 degrees in Florida. So, you know, here it is late February and it is 80 degrees, which is great. Wow.
1: Okay. We're starting off just, you know, throwing that out there. 80
2: degree weather. Beautiful to bear when I can.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, things are in turmoil. You, know, you said everything's right with the world. I, I think that that is a very positive and great outlook. I don't know <laughs> if that everybody would agree with you. However,. I love it. I, I love the optimism. I love the fact that you you carry this optimism in what you do and the work that you do with clients. And and I mean, come on. I mean, this is, this is the day and age we live in. We have to stay positive. One of the things we're talking about today or what you're going to be presenting today is really about interest rates. And I think mm-hmm. that there's some concern, fear, whatever you want to call it about interest rates, because we hear all the rumors, right? Interest rates are going up and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I don't I don't get it all, but that's what you're bringing today. so what how do we even broach this subject? This is huge.
2: Well, you know, interest rates are great because not many people really, you know they think about the equity markets, they they follow the Dow and they they think about all these, the s and p five hundred. but mm-hmm. interest rates is kind of that thing that's just in the background, just weaving its web all throughout all these things. And what it really crystallized to me, is what a major impact interest rates have on people's portfolios and their finances was when I first started back, um, we had the 92-93 kind of bear market. Mm -hmm. And interest rates kind of did this backup thing where where we had that little recession, and then we kind of cut rates, and then rates rose pretty precipitously. and, And everybody at that time kind of had You know, I don't want to say it was a bad taste in their their mouth about the market, but people weren't nearly as engaged with stocks as they are today. So we just had the 87 crash, you know, back in 87, only five, six years earlier. And a lot of people were also products of the depression. And so they were very, very skeptical about stocks and companies and, and growth and things of that nature. So a lot of them went to fixed income vehicles it was really, really monumental shift to get somebody to buy just 15 to 20% of their portfolio in in good conservative growth mutual funds. It was just, it took a lot. Hmm. And I remember expressing to people that, you know, interest rates when they back up, they can really, really put a hamper on your fixed income investments. And we saw that, and, and I saw it firsthand where I would see clients that had too much in fixed income where, you know, maybe they were going to dinner Two or three times a week, and when those interest rates went up and their bond portfolios went down, and then they had losses, then all of a sudden, you know, they weren't going to dinner as often. And people lost a lot of money in bonds and they didn't realize it at the time that this is something that could occur. So, yeah, yeah, uh, it, interest rates cause all these things, and so it's good that we're going uh, we're, we're to address it today. Yeah, would,
1: would you say that? Most people, when when they look at interest rates, they really equate it to housing because that's that's what I hear, especially from the major media. It's well, you know, if you're gonna if you're looking to buy a house, this is the time because interest rates are going up. That's what it always seems to be correlated with, and I, I just don't think that's accurate. I mean, obviously, it's accurate for that sector, but like you said, interest rates affect everything.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it gets a little technical. It, it, people do; they really focus on to your point interest rates when it comes to their mortgage and interest rates when it comes to their credit cards Mm -hmm. and maybe their car finances. And so what we see is a lot of that, if you think of interest rates, I always tell people really kind of focus on the 10-year treasury because the 10-year treasury is the bellwether to where those type of consumer rates move. So if you have the 10-year treasury, so let's take this week. Uh, as a great example. We've seen, mortgage rates go from about three and a quarter to i think they're over four today and that's over the course of about three weeks right Mm. it was about three three or four weeks and now if we look at the 10-year treasury the 10-year treasury has gone from about 165 170 to over two percent doesn't sound like much but that is a large increase and so it has that causal effect where it creates that ripple, and everything that we buy or or want to buy on on debt, it's it's going to increase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and that's no good. No. <laughs> nobody no, nobody likes it can that. Be, can, it can't be painful.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Ken, like I pointed out, you know, most consumers, and you beautifully responded with. The fact that you know when you're going to buy a car, you—that's when you're paying attention, or a credit card, you're paying attention. What other examples uh, can you give us that, that really can show how the rise and fall of interest rates, or when when they're fluctuating, how it affects all these other markets as well?
2: Yeah, I think kind of a great analogy that I think about, and I cycle. I'm a cyclist, so I like to get oh, out nice. there and hit the road. And and I don't know for the listeners out there, we have some people that that maybe jog or cycle or. Or walk. And if you have that brisk headwind, it really, really makes that walk a little bit more difficult. I oh, mean, yeah. It feels like, you know, it makes it, it just seems like you can't go as far. You're just bucking this wind and it's very, very difficult. Now, conversely, it's nice to take that walk or that ride when you have that tailwind. Mm-hmm. And it's a big difference. And that's what we see with interest rates, if I could use an analogy, is that over the last decade, we've had this beautiful tailwind. I would even add that not only a tailwind, but we have been riding downhill, right? <laughs> so, And that is because interest rates have been essentially on a downward trend for three decades. So we've had that nice backwind and that tailwind. And so now what we're finally seeing is Yeah, I think maybe the winds have shifted a bit and perhaps we might be coming to a pretty steep hill here over the short term. And so how that affects the portfolios is that everything has to be readjusted because in a low rate world, you think about it, like a lot of people own Apple or they own Netflix or other stocks like that. So all of those type of companies, they can loan money at such a cheap rate they can put it and use it to buy back their stock, they can use it to increase their earnings, equipment, all of these things make their cost of doing business cheaper. And in the end, that increases their earnings. So once again, that's that downhill with the tailwind analogy. Now, conversely, we're gonna have rates that are going higher and so companies are going to have to pay more. We're seeing it in terms of just inflation because wage pressures and things of that nature. But now, as interest rates rise, their costs are going to rise. And so that means you kind of the markets kind of re, got to reevaluate a little bit. It's got to it's got to say okay, things are going to cost more, and it could cost even more and more as we go forward. Mm-hmm. What what does what the what does the future look like for the value of these companies? And that's kind of what we're seeing right now in the market.
1: Yeah, and and, and so. You said we've already seen it go up a bit, mm-hmm. but when we, again, uh, uh, well, let me ask you this. I mean, now I'm kind of curious. Do, do you see a correlation between interest rates and taxes? Because one, one question, if you ask people, you know, do you see taxes going up or down in the future? I think, I don't know anybody who'll say, oh, no, taxes are going down. <laughs> you know, everybody thinks yeah. taxes are going up because we know what the, the government has done for spending, right? Mm-hmm. But- interest rates. Uh, I think we've been seeing this for the last six months. Hey, better be prepared and prepare yourself. Interest rates are going up. Are they going to continue? And is there any correlation with kind of where the taxes are?
2: Yeah, that's a very interesting question. And I've never really thought about interest rates and taxes going up until you just asked me. And now, now that I'm thinking about it, you think about the treasury. So what, we have 30 trillion in national debt right now. Oh, yeah. Right. Yep. And so the Treasury pays the interest on that debt. The government pays, ha, has to, you know, issue those bonds and somebody has to purchase those bonds and pay that interest. So now you have the Treasury is going to have to, they're going to have to pay more for that debt. So, mm. but that 10 year debt was at 1.6. Now it's going to go to 2. And so I think to your point, you would, uh, it makes it a little bit more difficult for the government because they have to pay higher interest rates to the people who are the countries and institutions that own that federal debt. That puts a little bit of a strain perhaps on the government spending. And it also might have a causal effect to have in the future, rising tax rates to be able to offset those additional payments that the government's going to have to make in interest. That's a good point. It sounds like a very vicious cycle. (laughs) right see that's what i mean i get that is well put interest rates when they're arising it can be a vicious cycle that is that's true to a t yep we haven't seen it in a while
1: i'm still piggybacking off of your analogy because i immediately thought when you're talking about the having the wind at your back right or the wind at your, your face the headwind have you ever been to chicago oh yeah Okay. Biting wind. Oh, my Lord. So my (laughs) wife and I went one year, and we were there for a few days, and we decided we're going to walk around Chicago. That's not an easy task, okay? Because yeah. number one, there was there seemed to be a headwind around every corner, and the wind is whipping through there, even though there's a tremendous amount of buildings, right? Mm-hmm. But we wanted to walk it, so we wanted to walk and go get pizza. We wanted to walk and do this, and we're of course we're parked outside the city, so we're taking the you know the blue line or whatever it is, different different little subways here and there, which is great for infrastructure. But walking around was was terrible. I at one point we had tracked that we had walked like seven or eight miles, and I was like, I'm done. So I we hired one mm-hmm. of those one of those guys that it's like a modern day rickshaw where they're on a bicycle and you sit in the back and and they pedal you around and this is total side note but that dude's calves (laughs) his calves because he's constantly riding that bike and having to you know (laughs) ride people through the all these different headwinds and tailwinds oh my i mean he was built like a brick house so i mean good for him but anyway back on task
2: (laughs) well the good thing is yeah the challenging thing there is is that um you know you're gonna be hard-pressed to find a rickshaw when rates rise <laughs> I mean, there's no equivalent rickshaw right. that's, yeah. you can have the uh, largest calves uh, in the world but uh, you're gonna need them because there's gonna be some heavy lifting involved with with what we're gonna see with this rising interest rates I'm afraid
1: yeah and see that's the the, the point uh, of the story was that, that that wind like you said you've been to Chicago it whips around and it doesn't just hit you from the front it hits you from the side and it, it's constantly moving and I feel that's where, with, with interest rates, it's not like they're moving up and down, but we're constantly getting a little bit battered here in this storm that's coming. So what should investors do about this? I mean, honestly, that's the bottom line question, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. The, the You know, what we like to see is when, rights are, when rates are starting to rise, is that you want to shorten up your maturities. I mean, that goes without saying. So if the most volatile or the most risk is in a longer term bond. And I I express this pretty, pretty simple. So if people are out there hungry for a little bit of yield because they want to have the safety and things of that nature. So let's say they go out and get a 20 year bond at 3%, let's say. Let's say in a year from now, the 20 year bonds that come out are at 5%. Like it doesn't, you know, three to five. The challenge there is who wants your 20 year bond at 3%, yeah, nobody. nobody, so they have to discount the value of that bond during the intern, if you were to sell it between now and that 20 years, because there's a lot of uncertainty between those 20 years, so you're gonna lose probably 25 to 30% in the value of that bond on your statement for 20 years. And nobody likes to see that, obviously. Okay. And so what we tell peeps is that you want to shorten that maturity down so that way you do have money coming due so you can reinvest that money as rates rise. So instead of waiting 20 years to reinvest for the rate rise, why not do it in three, six, one-year increments, one and a half year? That way, as these rates kind of Go escalate upwards. You'll have money coming due that's maturing, and your income and your principal will be invested at higher rates as you go along. So that's that's kind of one of the primary things you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, a secondary thing is is you know funds are, can be dangerous. Mutual funds that are bond funds can be quite dangerous in a raising rate environment. And this was one of the things that I saw early on in my career, as I alluded to back in the early nineties, is that when the those funds, what happens is, is they own a whole bunch of bonds, obviously. Right. And so people, they'll buy the fund, take the income from the fund. But the challenge is when rates start to rise, as we already spoke about those, the, the yields rise and then the bonds in that portfolio become what? Less valuable, Mm -hmm. right? Because the rates are rising. Nobody wants those bonds that have a lower rate. And so people start to see that principal loss and they say, wait a second, I'm losing 10% on my bond money, which I shouldn't, I, I bought it for safety of principle. What do you think they do? We find that at 10% people are okay. What do you think happens when people are down 15 to 20%? They panic. <laughs> they panic and they ask for their money back, yeah. right? So what happens to that bond manager is he has to go in there and sell those bonds below their face value prior to maturity at a loss. Hmm. And so remember we, you talked about that vicious cycle where it can get kind of ugly? Yeah, that's the ugliness that happens and it starts feeding on itself then they have to sell the bonds then they cut the coupon and then all of a sudden it just feeds on itself and we've seen this throughout history so i tell people if you're in a raising rate environment you got to check your duration of that fund or duration is how long the average maturity is in there we talked about short maturities and we want to make sure that that bond fund is meaning positioned for a raising rate environment not just paying out the highest yield
1: yeah all right, so my follow-up question to that is, I mean, obviously we're going to be giving out contact information at the end of this show, but is there something that listeners can do right now to check, to see, kind of check the oil, check the dipstick, where they're at, and, and maybe if they should make some moves?
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, as I think I've mentioned in one of the one of the past podcasts is that oftentimes people do an enormous amount of research on their mutual fund, their exchange-traded fund, or their stock positions. But they'll just tend to just buy a particular fund when it comes to bonds or their highest yielding fund. Or they'll actually go out there and just buy a one-year CD and roll it over a five-year or a five-year bond or whatever. What you need to do is you need to take as close an eye on your fixed income investments as you do your stock investments. And I would say I have seen more money over my career lost in the fixed income markets than I have in the stock market by by a probably 10 to 1%. Really, um, average, yeah. Because that money that gets gets lost in fixed income, it typically never comes back, right? Mm-hmm. So those bond funds. I mean, you can look historically at the uh, the price of the fund and any bond fund, and you can look at it through different periods. So maybe those bond funds came out at ten dollars a share. Many of them, even after the biggest bear uh, bull market we've had in bonds. Are below the ten dollar offering share price and that is because of just what we talked about that feeding frenzy that happens so people need to look at their fund find out what's the duration the duration is another word for the average uh length of maturity in the fund you, you don't want we i with my clients i don't want to see anything over three to four years so hmm. that's very pretty short term makes it more defensive i also don't want to have any leverage a lot of folks out there may have exchange traded funds or muni bond funds that are leveraged and that just means that they're borrowing to buy more bonds and that works on the upside very, very well, but when rates reverse, it works conversely to the downside very, very, very bad and it will, you can lose a lot of money quickly there and there's a lot of funds out there that use leverage. so. I, w- I would tell people to, to go out there and, and look and make sure that you don't have any leverage in your fixed income portfolio. And then, like I said, if there's anything that is the antidote to a rising rate environments, ladder bonds, buying varying maturities and letting them roll, and then reinvesting in the top end of the ladder. And we do that for clients, and I can show anybody how to do that in, in about five minutes.
1: All right, that sounds great to me. So for those that want to be shown how to do that or, or want to have a... a a second set of eyes may be on their entire situation. How do they get all of you?
2: Well, as always, call me. Website's a great place to start. It's orcawealth.com, orcawealth.com, or directly 727-938-1600. And, and those, I'm on Twitter. We've got these podcasts. I'm also on Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, all the major sites. We put up stuff all time. as a specific way of dealing with these type of, of things. It, it's good to have a short phone call.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to make sure that we do get some of those links into the show notes. So if you're listening to this, go to the show notes and you can click on some of those links and connect with Ken. Uh, Ken, thank you so much for your time today. Yay. Loved it, as always. All right. And our last thank you, of course, goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to a Life Well Lived with Ken O'Lette, founder of Orca Wealth Management. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Ken comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at Orca Wealth Management, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to a life well-lived. Grow, preserve, and transfer your wealth with Kinolet CPM. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Orca Wealth Management, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualifying financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Orca Wealth Management, LLC does not provide legal or tax advice clients should seek the advice of a qualified attorney or accountant as necessary.